Is talent overrated? Also, how can you know if this big idea you're investing all your time and energy in is, well, the next Facebook and not the next not Facebook? All that and more on today's Summary Saturdays. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Summary Saturdays, the weekly podcast from Summaries.com, the premier business summaries company. You work your job Monday to Friday, but Saturdays you can build your career. And now here's your host, Rob Belbin, editor of Summaries.com. Hey, Learning Nation. This week's book is The Culture Code, The Secrets of Highly Successful Groups by Daniel Coyle. And uh, Dallin, how are you, mate? I'm doing well. How are you today? Uh, Very good. Very good. Dallin, I've got a question for you. All right, shoot. Is talent overrated? Ooh. Is talent overrated? Uh, would you mind explaining a bit about the, the question and in terms of what? Do you have to be talented to be a huge success in business and in life? What do you think, mate? I'd say, I'd say natural talent is good, but hard work is more important. At least that's been my experience in life. I don't consider myself to be an incredibly talented person, um, but uh, I, I do know plenty of people, and I'm sure you do as well, several people that I would consider to be exceptionally talented, but it doesn't seem like they ever apply that to anything, and as such, they don't seem to get anywhere. Well, hold that thought, and let me just explain about this experiment that uh, Daniel Coyle talks about in this book, The Culture Code. Now, he talks about uh, an experiment that was run by Peter Skillman, a designer and an engineer. And now he was putting together four-person teams. And so he put together a team from the uh, from Stanford University and from the University of Tokyo, the University of California, and a couple of other places. And he challenged the people on this team to build the tallest possible structure using these items. And so he gave them 20 pieces of uncooked spaghetti, one yard of transparent tape, one yard of string, and one standard size marshmallow. And so from those items, the people on the groups had to try and build the tallest structure possible. So, uh, you know, if you had that sort of challenge, how would you go about uh, doing it, Dallin? Me? Uh, Well, I'm not an engineer and I'm not an architect, so I don't think I'd be hampered by thoughts of how things should go. So I'd probably just stick a bunch of stuff together and very literally see what's stuck. Okay, well, that's actually not a bad approach. Approach, But, um, you know, because he picked uh, teams from these universities... The business students all got to work and and they they brainstormed and they tossed ideas back and forwards and they came up with several options and they selected the most promising idea and then they went to it. That was the business students, the engineering students. They started analyzing the uh, materials and everything that was involved. The team of the accounting students probably sat there and uh, figured out how much it was costing to uh, put everything together. And uh, interestingly... And what was the EBITDA on that tower they were building? The EBIT. 
EBITDA, you know, the uh, profits after taxes and all that, that thing that, <laughs> never mind, keep going, sorry. <laughs> sorry, mate, I, I was a little bit confused by your question there. <laughs> and, you know, interestingly, Peter Skillman, who was running the experiment, also put a team of kindergarten age students in there as well, a four-person team, just to uh, see how they uh, how they went. So he had all these teams from these top universities with these talented students. He put together a team of lawyers, CEOs, and all of these successful people. Okay, Dallin, time to guess, mate. Who won the competition? Who put together the tallest structure? Based on your question, since it's a little leading, I'm going to say the kindergartners did. <laughs> Great guess. The kindergartners... <laughs> Managed to build a structure that was 26 inches tall. Not bad. Using uh, just those those basic materials, the uncooked spaghetti and a yard of tape and a yard of string and, and one marshmallow. You know what the average was for the rest of the teams? Uh, tell me. 10 inches. Wow. 10 inches. So the kindergartners... At, put together a 26-inch structure, and everyone else put together structures that averaged out at 10 inches. And so uh, the kindergartners took a totally different approach. They didn't do any brainstorming. They didn't do any strategizing or analyzing. They didn't even ask questions. In fact, uh, they barely talked at all. They stood very close to one another, and um, you know they just started building stuff. They would abruptly grab materials from one another and uh, they would say, put it here, not here. No, don't do that. And their entire technique would be uh, described as just trying a bunch of stuff together. And so uh, from that, author of the Culture Code book, Daniel Coyle, drew the conclusion that, you know, when you're trying to put together a high-performing team, it's not so much getting talented individuals on the team that counts. It's how the team works together that counts. Mm-hmm. Rob, if somebody didn't have a chance to tune in uh, to last week's program where we spent a little bit of time talking about who we are, you're the founder and editor of Summaries.com, and you've been doing that for nigh on 20 years now. I'm the owner of SoundFridge, a voiceover company, which is brand new, and we're working on this together because you have a lot of wisdom that you have to share from the over 900 uh, summaries that you've put together. So today we're talking about a summary that your subscribers are going to be receiving in their inbox this week. Uh, and so if anybody has a question that they'd like to ask about their business situation, maybe they're a small business owner, uh, maybe they've got uh, an idea for a business, and maybe that's a topic that you have covered in one of the over 900 summaries you've put together since, what was it, 1996 when you started this company? or 90, 98, that would be, right? Uh, yep. they, they can contact yep. us through summarysaturdays.com. <laughs> That's summarysaturdays.com and uh, ask their question and you'll dig back to the archives and say, well, uh, there's a book about this very thing. One of the other books that you did produce a while ago was called Talent is Never Enough by John Maxwell. And he says a lot of the same things uh, when he talks about destiny is not a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. It's not a thing to be waited for. It's a thing to be achieved. Uh, like those little children 
they didn't sit around and try to come up with the perfect plan before they started working. They just jumped right into it and, and they made it up as they went along. And my question for you is, is it that sometimes in order to get started, we just have to get started? Yeah, I, uh, I'm a firm believer in, in learning as you're going along and learning by doing rather than uh, spending all your time strategizing and, and preparing to uh, act. Take the plunge, you know, have a go and uh, you'll figure things out as you go along. I actually like the quote by uh, Stephen King, who uh, everyone knows is a best-selling author, and he said, talent is cheaper than table salt. What separates the talented individual from the successful one is a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, last week quite we talked, often, last we, week we we, talk, uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Doug. I was going to say, last week we talked a little bit about the reality we have nowadays that, for example, self-published authors can reach the exact same community, world community, of readers that traditionally published authors have, and they have an opportunity now to reach out. Something a lot of people don't know about Stephen King was when he started, he was self-published because no publisher would look at his book. But today's 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 author, as an example has access to the types of tools that he never even could have dreamed of. Yeah, so, um, you know, talent, talent is good, talent is great, but uh, perseverance and belief and passion, initiative, focus, all of those factors can actually uh, outweigh the impact of talent on, uh, on what you're trying to do. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in uh, being a lifetime learner that uh, you just need to keep on learning new things. You need to keep on trying new things and uh, just keep chipping away and uh, great things can happen. There's one other book that I wanted to mention to you uh, that uh, also talks about the same sort of thing. Uh, This was a book that was written by Jeff Colvin and it's called Talent is Overrated, What Really Separates World-Class Performers from Everybody Else. As I mentioned at the beginning, the world is full of people who have a great deal of talent. Uh, maybe they're good with people or, or crack with numbers or maybe they have natural leadership ability. Uh, and then you look at their lives and it seems as though they keep starting things be it going to university but never graduating or something of that nature. And then they just never seem to follow through. And one of the things that we talked about before starting today, one of the people that I would define as in that category of people would be the Winklevoss brothers. It seems like every time there's a major uh, technologically driven innovation that happens, they're right at the middle of it. But they never... like uh, Facebook, like the early days of Facebook where they were right there? They were right there, but they just never delivered. Uh, Or when it came to the Bitcoin revolution, they were right there in the middle of it, but they never delivered. And then the same thing happened with PayPal. They weren't directly involved in PayPal, but they were working on a a competing solution for online payment. And and they got uh, almost, but never quite there. And I just wonder, what is it that makes it that a person with that natural talent that access to everything that everybody else has. I mean, they were at Harvard at the same time that, that Mark Zuckerberg was. Why is it that some people who are talented and good-looking and have access to everything that the, the achievers do, why don't they 
break through. I think we're nibbling at the fringes of that question by by what we've been saying today. Success is always going to be a combination of factors, especially uh, putting together, adding the hard work and all of the other things to the talent. And so it's always it's always a mix. You're always baking a cake. Well, you're listening to Summary Saturdays with Rob Belbin. And again, as we mentioned at the beginning of the program, Rob, you are the editor of summaries.com, uh, the premier business summaries company. You've been sending out summaries every week for going on 20 years now. And a lot of people have benefited from uh, the business summaries that you've put together. You've sold over a million of them. So, I mean, that's quite remarkable. So if people have a question, as you can see, as we're discussing ideas back and forth, Rob is going back through his archive in his head and saying, you know, I think I have a summary just about that. So we would love to have your questions for the next edition of this program. And you can send your question in at summarysaturdays.com. That's summarysaturdays.com. All right. Well, we are going to go to a break now. And when we get back, we're going to be asking a very specific question. How do you get better using the talents you already have? Summary Saturdays is brought to you by Summaries.com, the premier business summaries company. Also by SoundFridge.com, a full-service voiceover company for audiobooks, advertisements, video voiceovers, explainer videos, and more. Also by Coca-Cola, proud makers of healthy Dasani water, and by Air New Zealand, the official... Hey, wait a second, Rob. I don't remember seeing the checks from Coca-Cola or Air New Zealand. Uh-oh. <laughs> no matter. This means there's room for your ad. Would you like to get promotion for your book, business, or other commercial concern? Contact us today and see how you can provide promotional consideration for this new podcast. Contact us through SummarySaturdays.com. And now, let's get back to our program for today. Rob Belbin, it's good to be back with you. When we went to the break, we asked a question... How do you get better using the talent you do have? You said it all comes back to deliberate practice. Excellent. Excellent question, Dallin. I'm, I'm glad you asked that. In this book that Jeff Colvin wrote called Talent is Overrated, this is where he's talking about what really separates world-class performers from everybody else. He said that the world-class performers do what is called deliberate practice. Okay, so, you know, what is deliberate practice? Deliberate practice has five basic attributes. This is practice where you're, you're doing things that are designed specifically to improve your performance. It's practice that's repeated a lot, so you build in that muscle memory. It's practice where you get continuous feedback so you always know exactly where you're going. It's practice that is highly demanding mentally. And to be honest, it's practice that is not much fun. It's hard work and uh, it's getting out there and really trying to, um, to push the edge of the, the envelope and get better uh, deliberately at what you're trying to do. Now, uh, you probably uh, have done deliberate practice, Alan, in terms of uh, getting your talent uh, to the stage that it's at with regards to 
uh, audio work and the uh, voiceovers that you do? Oh, of course. A lot of people have asked me, how do you get to a point where you can just sit down with a script and crank out a world-class voiceover? And I laugh. You can't. You never will. You have to practice that script. I mean, yesterday, for example, I had a client from China that sent me a script having to do with some English as a second language material uh, using Frankenstein as the base of it. I spent the entire day reading that script and trying out different voices, trying out different ideas for the voices. Uh, it's not something you can just sit down and do. But even in addition to that, I'll still sit down in the studio several times a week and take something very difficult to read aloud, say Shakespeare or uh, a book by Dickens or something, and I'll sit there for a couple of hours and just read aloud, forcing myself to practice my skill. Uh, you can't walk away and come back in three months and just sit down and keep talking into a microphone like it's as easy as pie. That's not how talent works. It doesn't work for making summaries. It doesn't work for voiceovers. It doesn't work for pianists. It doesn't work for violinists or for football players. You have to practice, 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 practice. Absolutely. And so deliberate practice is where you, you're just trying to improve in those key areas. And so great performers are undertaking deliberate practice. Hey, it was Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. So Malcolm Gladwell was the guy who came up with the 10,000-hour rule. And he said that basically to become a world-class performer uh, in any field, he actually, if I remember correctly, talked about uh, violinists. Uh, he said that uh, in any field, you really have to put in about 10,000 hours of practice before you can be become a world-class performer in that field. And so deliberate practice is where you're designed specifically doing exercises to improve your performance and you're repeating them you're pushing the edge of the envelope you're getting feedback and uh, that's how you get better at what you're doing i think what's interesting about deliberate practice is point four that it has to be highly demanding mentally a lot of us are lazy let's just be honest i remember when i first started taking chemistry in the university i was shocked at how long it took to do a chemistry problem once I got past chapter two of the book, because I was used, <laughs> I was used in the university. I, I, I took uh, nursing and there's a lot of high level thinking involved in that, but I have the type of mind that I can absorb a lot of information very quickly and sort of arrange it inside of my head in ways that allows me to take the test successfully. But when it came to something like science, like chemistry, you can't do that. You have to follow a procedure step by step. And and Rob, you've taken physics, so you know what I'm talking about. There are no shortcuts to getting the right answer. It was difficult for me at first to sit there and just grind it out. I got so impatient. I wanted to run around. I'd, I'd look at my notebook and say, I've been working on this problem for half an hour. I finally got the right answer. How am I ever going to have time to do all 30 of these? And of course, <laughs> my wife said, don't worry. You'll get faster as your brain begins to process the information in the way that it, it has to, to to take this course. What I'm getting at is for somebody who's naturally talented, the thought of sitting down and grinding it out is hard because when you have a talent at anything, sometimes you think that the talent that you have in that should automatically apply to other areas of life and it should come easy to you. And so many people who are highly talented at one thing have a hard time deliberately forcing themselves to do something that is mentally challenging, they get bored, they get tired, and they quit before they break through and actually learn what it is that they need to learn. So 
you say you say in your summary here it says typically this type of practice will be so intense that it cannot be sustained for long how long does practice have to be to to make it to count well a lot of top level performers find four or five hours is the absolute maximum that they're able to practice for in any 24 hour period and uh, many of them find that uh, you know a session of an hour to 90 minutes is really uh, is really about as much as they can uh, handle. Uh, after that, the um, the improvement level drops off, and it's uh, it's not worth going to it. So they sort of uh, will break their day up into uh, an hour to ninety minutes of practice, and then go do something else, then come back and do another hour to ninety minutes of deliberate practice, and do that two or three times a day uh, as they're trying to improve. So uh, you're right. You know, uh, talent um, talent is overrated. It's the work that counts. And uh, getting back to uh, the original uh, thought that we were talking about with the culture code, when you're trying to put together a team, uh, it's not really the uh, talents of the people on the team that counts. It's how the team works together and how they're able to... Uh, to harness and make best use of the talents of the people on the team. So uh, what are you going to do as a result of what we've been talking about today, Dallin? What are you going to do different? What am I going to do differently in my personal life or in my business? I think those are two separate questions. Uh, in, in my your business. Oh, in yeah, my... how, does, how does this apply to a business? How do you think it, it will help a business? As odd as this sounds... I think one of the biggest applications for a small business owner, especially when you're first getting started, is to select your, your clients carefully. The temptation is to run out and try to find absolutely every possible paying client. But what often will happen when you, when you sign on with a new client is maybe your working method doesn't work for their need. So you have to be, when you're working with somebody on a new project, in effect, you're creating a team, even if the payment is one-sided. So you have to be careful to select projects that work with what you're good at doing. Now, obviously, you have to stretch yourself and you have to grow as a, as a business person, but there is a certain amount of limiting yourself to the things that you can accomplish given your time frame and your skill level. So I would say that would be one thing that would apply to me. Also, practicing, practicing different types of things. And Rob, you do a certain kind of business. I do a certain kind of business. I think of a, a lady I knew one time who was going through some really tough financial situations and she had a business where she was crocheting things and she came by my office one day and we got to chatting and she was saying, I just can't get people to buy this, this little item anymore. And I got to thinking a little bit and I said, well, you know, you live in Puerto Rico, which has some of the world's best coffee when hurricanes don't wipe it out. And <laughs> you like to make cats and you like to make them in pastel colors. And in Japan, they are obsessed with, <laughs> with that very thing. They love uh, they absolutely love cats in pastel colors. So why don't you do this? Take some coffee in a packet, put it inside one of these crocheted cats that you're making and try marketing to uh, Japan through Alibaba and eBay. Well, I met up with her again a couple of years later and she said, your idea was a hit. It was a huge hit. People in Japan can't get enough of my coffee babies, I think is what she calls them. So you can go on Alibaba and look them up yourself. I guess what I'm saying is sometimes you have to look outside of your context and see what other people are looking for. And that goes back yeah. that goes yeah. back to practicing. 
Great idea, great idea. I uh, I like your idea of teaming up with your customers too, mm-hmm. and uh, being selective about the um, the people that you work out. I think those are great ideas. I uh, I think all of that makes sense. What about you? How are you going to apply it to your business? Well, I'm uh, I'm going to make sure that I'm putting in the work, that I'm uh, not uh, not waiting for a hail mary or for. Uh, or for uh, some great success to fall from the sky. Uh, I do like the idea of uh, deliberate practice. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of lifetime learner, as you know. Uh, uh, lifetime learning. Uh, always, always uh, pushing yourself. Always learning new material. Always trying new things. I want to be one of those kindergarten students. Mm-hmm. I want to be uh, on a team where uh, where we're actually doing things rather than talking about doing things. So uh, I think we've solved the problems of the world today, Dallin. I think we have. Well, your subscribers to summaries.com are going to be receiving in their email very soon this week. They'll be receiving the summary we were talking about. What was the name of that summary again? It's called The Culture Code, The Secrets of Highly Successful Groups by Daniel Coyle. And uh, they'll also be receiving the MP3, which uh, encapsulates the uh, all the ideas uh, from the uh, from the book. And uh, this will give them the opportunity to read less and do more. That sounds good. Uh, do you have an idea what your next summary might be about in the future? We've got two books that uh, we are currently developing the summary for. One is uh, Damon John's latest book, Rise and Grind. Mm. And we're also having a look at uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crushing It, How Great Entrepreneurs Build Their Business and Influence and How You Can Too. It'll depend on on, uh, which one of those books we go with. All right. Well, if you want to get ahead of it and uh, make sure that you sign up at summaries.com for your weekly summaries so you can start receiving these in your email inbox every day. And of course, the audio version of it is included as well. So you can throw that onto your iPhone and go for a run in the morning and catch up with the latest and greatest business books. And that's all at summaries.com. Well, this has been Summary Saturdays. If you have a question for Rob, you can uh, send it to us care of, I guess, the program, Summary, (laughs) Summary Saturdays at SummarySaturdays.com. Uh, Rob, what can people expect if they visit that website? Well, we're, we're just in the process of uh, starting that website to align with the uh, podcast. And uh, if you go there, you'll be able to find out what we're all about. All right. Well, we'll talk with you again next week on the same place, same dial. <laughs> oh, boy. Same, same bat channel, same bat time. That, that is if my internet works. catch you later Rob yeah great talking to you Dallin see you mate bye this has been Summary Saturdays with Rob Belbin editor of summaries.com to submit your question for next week visit summarysaturdays.com Summaries.com empowers you to get 100% of the best ideas from an entire business book for 10% of the cost and in less than 5% of the time. Get all the know-how and smarts from 1,000 business books into your mind and career. Read less, do more. www.summaries.com